Hello, friends, and welcome to Sleep Tight Stories. In last episode, the cats decided while they deal with the rat problem, they'll put Susan in jail. She got escorted by several quiet cats down into a cold, damp hall of rock, down the long passageway to a cell. The cats pushed her in when she didn't want to go on her own, and then the door clanged shut. Susan yells for help, but no one is around to hear her. She finally lays down and cries herself to sleep. In today's chapters, Tucker and his mom argue as they head home about letting Susan go. Tucker says she is in danger if she stays in Cat City, but Cynthia just ignores him. When they get home, Tucker is locked in his room for his own good, his mother says. She leaves and his father comes to talk to him, and then something happens. When Susan wakes up in her cell, she hears two voices talking. It turns out to be Julian and a rat. What can she do? How can she get word to Tucker and Vinny? Cat City, Chapter 10 and 11. Tucker fought bitterly with his mother all the way home. We have to let her go, Tucker hounded Cynthia and George, struggling against the guards who kept him pinned in and moving in the direction of his house. She's in danger if she stays here. Cynthia continued to ignore him as she walked, fur bristling, tail thrashing from side to side. Let it go, Tucker, George finally said, voice soft and the saddest Tucker ever heard. Please. I can't, Dad, Tucker pleaded with his father to understand. You know I'm right. If the wrong cat decides she is too much trouble, we'll never see her again. George nodded heavily. Please, son, just stop. Please. Tucker howled in frustration. Let me go then, he said. I'll take care of her myself. Yeah, right, one of the guards muttered. Look how well that's turned out so far. Tucker hissed at him, and the guard actually recoiled. I didn't ask you, he snarled before turning back to his mother. Mom, come on, please. Cynthia waited until they were at their front door before turning on Tucker, her fury written all over her face. You will go to your room, she said very quietly and you will stay there until I say otherwise. Tucker was shocked. He had never seen his mother so angry, 
and never heard her speak to him that way before. I can't, he said. This is too important. It was not a request, Cynthia said. She nodded to the guards. Make sure he doesn't go anywhere. Cynthia, George sounded shocked. You can't lock up your own son. I can if it's for his own good, she snapped at her husband. Stay out of this, George. Tucker watched as his father gave in. Surprise, surprise, Tucker thought bitterly. When has my dad ever taken my side in anything? And if I refuse? Tucker faced down Cynthia. Don't, she said grimly. You will regret it. Tucker fought years of obeying her. Try me, he said. Cynthia nodded. Take him. Tucker was seized from all sides by the guards. He struggled, but not very hard. He only wanted to know how far Cynthia would go. And now he knew. I'm doing this to protect you, don't you see? She told him as the guards dragged him inside and upstairs. You need to be safe, Tucker. As his bedroom door slammed and locked behind him, Tucker heard his mother's last words. I love you, she whispered through the door. And then she was gone and he was left to pace his room, racking his brain for a plan to escape and rescue Susan. Several hours and many desperate ideas discarded later, he curled up on the foot of his bed and started to cry. He had done everything he could, and still there was no way out. No way to save the girl he already cared about so much. My Susan, he thought. Is this what it feels like to have an owner? Tucker shook his head. No, he told himself. This is what it feels like to really love someone. Tucker had almost completely given himself over to despair when he heard the lock on his door release and the door itself swing open. He opened his eyes a crack, then looked up, surprised to see his father standing at the end of the bed. They're gone, George said. Your mother, too. I told them I'd watch you. Tucker rested his head back on his paws, tail covering his face so he wouldn't have to look at his father. Great, Tucker said. Thanks a lot, Dad. If you're going to go, George's tongue swept over his son's ears, you better do it now before they come back to check. He looked up suddenly into eyes the same color as his. Dad, he leaped from the bed. Really? You're letting me go? George nodded. Tucker was stunned. 
But why? He asked, silently adding, You've never done anything for me before, especially when it came to Mom. He was pretty sure George knew what he was thinking. Because I believe you, his father said softly, and because, no matter what your mother may think, you are old enough to make your own choices. Dad, Tucker choked on some tears, thanks. He headbutted his father hard, purring so loud he felt he might shake apart. Enough of that, George said gruffly after a moment. Get going before your mother catches us. Thanks, Dad. Tucker had already bounded for the door. Be careful, son, George said as Tucker raced off. Susan wasn't sure how long she slept, but her eyes were still sore, and she was pretty tired, so she assumed it wasn't long. She sat up and wiped at her dirty face, using the flannel lining of her raincoat to clean her cheeks as best she could. Her eyes had somewhat adjusted to the dim light, but what she was able to see didn't make her feel a whole lot better. The room was small, barely her height long and wide, more like a closet, and she guessed it was a cat prison, not meant for someone her size. The floor was cold, damp stone, the same as the walls. The only other features were the door she had come through and the ledge she curled up on. Susan pulled her knees up to her chest, pressing her back against the wall, and tried to think. There had to be a way out. She knew Tucker would do his best to help her, but the fact the cats now had the threat of the rats to deal with meant she could be down in that dark and nasty hole for a long time. The thought made her want to cry again, but this time she was able to hold off the tears. Susan was about to stand up and try the door when she heard a scraping noise very close to her. She froze. It sounded like claws on stone. She listened, senses heightened from being in the dark, and almost shrieked when she heard the voice. You're certain you weren't followed? She looked around in a panic, but she was alone but the voice sounded like it was right beside her. Susan sat down again, leaning against the wall, hugging herself. A second voice spoke. I'm certain. Susan bit the inside of her lip to keep from yelling. It was Julian. The first voice was soft and had a squeaky hissing to it. The S sounds were more like TH sounds, as though the speaker had problems speaking. The plan is in place, the first voice said, high-pitched. There was a chorus of squeaks, and Susan realized the first speaker wasn't alone. The plan needs to change, Julian said. Susan looked around. Why did the voices sound so close? 
Finally, as the first voice spoke again, she noticed a crack in the wall next to her, near the floor. There was the faintest of lights coming through, and Susan realized she was hearing something going on below her. As quietly as she could, she knelt by the crack and put her eye to the weak little beam of light. What has happened? The first voice asked, alarm in it. Susan looked down through the hole and jumped back a little. Julian stood right below her. She eased back into place and looked past him to whom he spoke to. Susan's heart skipped a beat when she saw the rats. Four brown bodies, their skinny bald tails glistening in the faint orange light Julian carried with him. Cowered against the wall of the hallway beneath her, their red eyes glowing. The girl is here, Julian said, and the scout made it through. They know you're coming. The rats squeaked at each other. We must tell our king, the rat said. This doesn't have to stop us, Julian told him. They may know you are coming, but they have no idea you have help. Tell your king he must move now, if this is to work. I will tell him, the rat said, but it is up to my king whether he moveth or not. Tell the rat king, Julian said, closing the gap between him and the lead rat in a flash, that the gate will be open, and if he wants to take the city, he had better be prepared to move right now. The rat squealed in fear as it backed away from Julian. I will tell him, the rat said again. We will be ready. Julian backed off, nodding. Be sure you are. You have one hour. Julian turned and bounded out of Susan's view, his light leaving with him. She strained to see and was scared to realize the rat's eyes glowed in the dark. Will he betray us? One rat asked. No matter, the first said. Our king hath a plan. The cat will not survive another day and cat city will be ours. Come. The rat scuttled off. Susan waited until the eyes were gone for a few breaths before getting up. She took a seat again on the ledge and tried to quiet her heart. Julian was betraying the city to the rats, and she was a prisoner and couldn't tell anyone. She briefly considered pounding on the door again, but decided against it. What if whoever she told was working with Julian? Susan agonized over what to do. If only she could get word to Tucker and Vinny, time was running out and she was trapped. She nearly jumped out of her skin for the second time when she heard a scratching sound at her door. Heart pounding again, she pushed herself as far back on the ledge as she could. Hugging herself as the scratching, scrabbling sound at the metal stopped and the door latch creaked. Good night.
sleep tight.